Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to the Casey Catch Up. Epic chat with Casper Steinfath. We went through his Kattegat journey, which was literally he paddled from Denmark to Sweden over 120 kilometers, and we unpacked how that adventure was. We also went into a lot of stuff on reading the bumps and the best way to learn um, how to train for a big journey like he did. And um, all in all, it was a great chat with Casper. If you're enjoying these these videos or, or, or listening along, make sure you follow or subscribe. Uh, follow on Spotify, subscribe on YouTube. And um, if you are interested in learning to downwind, subfoil, be sure to get in touch with me. Email me at info at caseyaus.com and we can get you started. Enjoy the chat and plenty more episodes coming. All right, guys, welcome to the Casey Catch-Up. I'm super excited to have Casper Steinfath. We're just catching up. We've even seen each other. I had a good proper catch-up for, for, it seems like we did the math. It's like eight years since our like it's proper. Good. It's proper eight catch-up. years. That's yeah. nuts. We, we've seen each other a lot, competition, um, events, but he's always busy. He's the, when I've been in Denmark, he's been the, the local hero and I've been the enemy coming in and trying to steal the gold, so to speak. So it's um, been really good. And I'm looking, really looking forward to this chat with Casper. And I kind of want to break this up into two things. The first thing is his Viking crossing. Casper downwind foiled 120 Ks from Denmark to Sweden in, I'm going to put it lightly, less than ideal conditions. So we're going to unpack <laughs> that. And then we're going to go into, I guess, his background in foiling. Um, but Casper, let's get straight into it. Viking Crossing 3.0. What was the mission? And I'm just, I want to hear all the roller coaster, the whole thing. Well, uh, I mean, it's funny. It feels kind of full circle right now, catching up with you, James, because um, I mean, we'll get into that later. But like this, like you, we've kind of mirrored each other along along part mm-hmm. of the way, even though we've been on completely different sides of the world. Opposites. But the Viking, the, the Viking Crossing 3.0 was essentially um, I, in the later years. I've got this like addiction to um, adventure and like you doing, you know, doing my own types of projects outside the realm of competition and living in Denmark, we're basically surrounded by water and um, you have oceans on each side. And, and like, I just have this fascination of backtracking the Vikings footsteps. Uh, you know, they sailed all these amazing places. So a couple of years ago, I, I paddled on my sup across to Norway this time I, uh, I wanted to foil between Denmark and Sweden over the legendary uh, Nordic Ocean of Kattegat. And you might have heard that name in like the, the series Vikings. Um, that's uh, Kattegat is, is a legendary Viking myth, but it's also an ocean. And uh, I figured, you know, it's roughly 120 kilometers long. Um, and I just had this, I got, since I got into foiling, I was basically just dreaming of doing a downwind across this strait because the winds can be really good. But uh, as you know, any type of adventure, you might start off with a vision of how it's going to be epic and just a lot of fun. Um, like most things in life, it t- kind of takes a turn at some point and uh, it turned into a, um, a pretty good uh, hard, hard style adventure with um, yeah, everything from epic downwind to no wind to uh, yeah, currents pulling me around. And uh, basically it was just the Viking crossing is my saga. 
that I'm I'm working on. Unreal. I've been loving following it. And, and like you said, we're like sort of Casper and I are both multidisciplinary sup racing is kind of the main thing, but I think we both started sup surfing before we got into sup racing and the foiling has been an extension of that. And it's been really, yeah, literally opposite ends of the world. Like you're in Denmark where 12 hours yeah. apart or something like that. And um, I actually spoke to you Casper about um, Marcus Tarja and I did the foil for the fires, which is a hundred kilometers. And we did this, you know, we had like a waiting period and it didn't look as official as yours. I'm like calling Marcus like, what does the wind look like? You know, <laughs> I love that. I love the organization stuff you went through for your 3.0 crossing because you need certain conditions. And I guess let everyone know what, so 120 Ks, I just want to make this clear to everyone, 120 Ks, even if it says it's going to be a windy day, over 120 kilometers, the conditions change like a lot. Yes. A shitload. Like it's ups and downs and no matter what sort of body, even if you're in the same spot, for a whole day, the conditions change a lot. But when you stretch it out over, you know, an entire ocean between countries, yeah, there's it's, there's so much there's so much variation, like oh. in, in that the distance and that time span. And I think, like, I mean, you you make my 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 Viking crossing sound glorious. I mean, because yeah. you know, in reality, the organization of it is just like, yeah, you, you know, you're calling up people and it's stressful and. Yeah. Um, the inside the machine room, it is always uh, another hectic level. But but I think like when I got into downwind foiling, like it just also you know it became this new world for me that opened up. And like seeing you do the 120k downwind in Australia, also kind of opened my mind to like oh maybe it is actually possible because yeah. you know around around these latitudes where i am like people have a whole different perspective of of water and like you know it's only in the very recent years that people started playing in the water where it was viewed as this you know gnarly workspace for fishermen that were just battling the you know the elements of trying to you know bring food to the table so uh it's so interesting to try to you know break ground where people have not done it before um so that was, yeah. that was kind of my motivation for it as well and just on that for, for guys that are watching or listening um casper lives in denmark and if you haven't heard of denmark it's basically it's the southern part of scandinavia so to speak northern part of europe you're basically in the arctic circle casper paddled <laughs> the trains in the snow i went to denmark his hometown in the middle of summer and casper was like oh, oh no you missed it summer was like a week ago you know it was literally that like the middle we're in the middle of winter here and i it was probably a warmer day here than it was where you are. Although maybe you're not in Denmark at the moment. Um, well, I'm, I'm I'm sitting in Denmark right now. Just uh, you know, I got a t-shirt on, so it's pretty. You know, it's fairly warm. That's why I doubted but, it. <laughs> it must be the day but, of summer. But but, but, but that, that's the beauty of Denmark. Like for, for those of you that for those that have never been to these latitudes, you know, Denmark is northern Europe. It's uh, I mean, for me, it's just home. It's here that. I grew up and, you know, was introduced to water sports and surfing initially. And it's, you know, it has a, short, a charm in itself that there are so many uh, seasons, the, the weather keeps changing and, you know, you never really know what you're going to get. Even summer might not show up because it, you know, the, the winds just don't bring the hot air up here. But I mean, it's, it has a lot of other things. And it, I think if you come from Denmark, um, you can go anywhere in the world and be positively <laughs> surprised 
<laughs> and probably surfing board shorts. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah, it, it was it was cold to say the least when we were in Denmark and um, I had a great time. I, I loved it. I loved the hospitality you guys put on and it was good to catch up with you in your hometown, albeit with the, the ISA event going on. But yeah, it was um, unreal and very different to where most people do their water sports, I would say. Um, but. Well, we're, I mean, we're, we're not we're not blessed with uh, warm conditions like Australia, but um, you know, we can still have fun up here. I guess that's the way we look at it. And and like you know, growing up in Denmark, we were kind of an underdog nation. Like I remember when we went to all the the APP World Tour events, and remember uh, Rocky Cannon, the the announcer. Rocky would always be like, "And from the great surfing nation of Denmark, <laughs> we have Casper," which you know yeah. just so so ironic. Um, yeah. in one sense but but it's I, I think it's fun to kind of be the underdog yeah absolutely see i'm gonna steer us back towards the the yeah. 3.0 we, we gotta get distracted all the time <laughs> yeah sorry steer the ship um conditions so tell me what conditions you were waiting for in your waiting period and what conditions materialized um and then talk us through the equipment that you were and i know like foil size and the, the choice of your foil is such a big decision from when you're learning to when you're doing, as you get better, you've got more options. And you always, personally, you're always looking for that faster option, but for the longer stuff, you know, tell us what, what your parameters were and what you went with. Well, I mean, essentially, I mean, this is, this is a long one, but the, when, when, when preparing for the crossing, like I, you know, I had eyed this, this project for a while, like for like since, somewhere in the middle of last year, I'd kind of eyed, uh, I wanted to do this crossing on a foil, but there was so much um, information I needed to get. And like, I needed to find out, you know, how, how to even approach a project like this. How do you foil 120 kilometers? Like, and it's open ocean, like you're, you're not hugging the coast at all during this. So it was, it was a massive project. And, you know, I spent a lot of time testing equipment, um, trying to find out you know, first of all, what weather conditions could I expect? Because in this part of the world, we don't have stable trade winds. We have, uh, we have gnarly, uh, moody, low pressures that just, you know, come slamming across uh, Northern Europe. Um, they're usually, that, that means you, have, you can have very strong winds, you can have no winds, but everything is ever changing. So I spent a lot of time analyzing weather patterns, like statistically, what could I expect? if say I had a four or six week waiting period. And uh, so I, I dug into, you know, that was a fun process, you know, understanding what, you know, it's kind of like uh, understanding your dance partner, like what is she capable of? Mm. Um, and then I tested a lot, like I figured that I could expect, um, you know, weather windows of maybe 10 to 15 hours of, of you know, ideal wind um but but then again like you never know so I, I started preparing for everything and like i tested a bunch of equipment of uh tested different foil boards tested uh, different foil wings masts uh setups to find out as you said before like you know if we were going out in perfect conditions it's pretty clear that we'd pick you know the nicest foil the fastest foil um just to race but here I was more thinking of myself as like, you know, I'm not a Ferrari. I'm not a Formula One car. Uh, I have to think of myself as like a diesel engine, essentially just slowly but steadily moving forward. And uh, that's what I've learned from my previous uh, ocean crossings is it's not 
it's not a game of speed. It's a game of, uh, of, of staying in the game, so to say. Yeah. But, um, but anyways, like the project materialized, uh, during last year and especially, you know, since COVID shut down, uh, so much of our, our regular competitive platform with stand up paddling. Well, I, I kind of figured like, Hey, this is a great opportunity for me to do some of my own projects. And, and this was one of them. So at the beginning of 2021, I kind of just went into this mode of like, like if you ask my girlfriend or anyone around me, like, I think I just became obsessed with looking at weather charts, uh, dialing my foil setup, um, just for this one purpose of, of adventure. And, uh, yeah. and then it began. Yeah, that's, yeah. And just on that low pressure system, it's like I've done a bit of forecasting. Um, they're the hardest to predict. <laughs> and like, yeah, you know, 15 hours of good wind, like one model update, as you would have noticed. And all of a sudden your low pressure was here and it's here. And that means the winds are going this way instead of this way, which, you know, for a crossing and like forecasting winds for a crossing is ridiculous. Like it's, it's so hard. Um, but I, I, let's, um, let's dive into, like, I guess, for me, what Marcus and I were looking for was just windy conditions, steady the same direction mm. for the whole time. Um, in, on the East Coast, I did my Wollongong to Sydney, 120K. We had a really good southerly. Again, it was like a, it was a cold front, so I was moving up the coast. But up the coast, right. it's pretty steady. Um, I was looking for swell that was sort of more south southwest so going past the coast rather than southeast going into the coast because our mm -hmm. coastline kind of faces east southeast so a south swell moves a little bit in and a southwest swell kind of goes past and that's yeah. in theory but all swells wrap towards land the bigger the swell the more that swell wraps in so i found i went in a big swell because the wind the wind was good but the swell was also big so with the wind being strong it, it saved me but the, if it was the swell that was wrapping in and then rebounding off, it made some stretches of my journey much harder. So, so you, 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 you were fighting, is it right? You were fighting to not end up back on shore. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So the, the swell, if I was to follow the swells, they would have taken me basically on shore, like onto the land about um, 35, 40 Ks into my crossing. So I was always hunting out to sea. And at times, yeah. with a steep cliff, I was rebounding off cliff, backwash, and going back out to sea. I was one or two kilometers offshore, but the refraction and the rebound was all going on. Um, you were fighting something completely different in that you're out in the middle of the ocean, and that brings with it its own challenges. Um, and so, like, condition-wise, were you looking for just a strong wind or... You know, do, do swell like ground swells form in that ocean? I wouldn't think so. No, so I mean, the, the ocean of Kattegat, like it's basically look at it, it's, it's kind of like a bottleneck. It's like yeah. um, between Denmark and Sweden, it kind of is this weird uh, angled coast coastlines. And um, there, the fetch is really only like 100, 150 kilometers wide. Uh, yeah. at the longest so you're, you're not going to get any real you know um, powerful swell it's you're still dealing with you know uh, the the chops and swell generated inside the fetch which is very storm storm characteristic uh, the the waves are very close to each other um, they are very uh, you know erratic uh, it, there's there might be like all kinds of different components depending on how the wind shifts so so basically the 
in the weeks prior to the crossing, I was just like a madman looking at forecasts. And my ideal forecast was like a, a southwest wind. Um, oh, you're showing me a map. Oh, there's a map. Great. I've got a map. I want to show everyone. <laughs> yeah. So where, where did you start? Just so we can sort of really piece it together. Because this is, I love this stuff. Like this is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, you yeah. see that on, in Denmark, there's those two uh, cities called Aarhus and Randers. Um, kind of between, between, yeah, that headland you're 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 hovering of over, just above where your cursor is now. Yeah, that's kind of where I started, mm -hmm. um, in the city of, city of Greno. Um, it's an old industrial port. Uh, so yeah, basically, yeah, you just leave it there, like where yeah. the cursor is now. Like yeah, this. that's the one. That's the yeah. one. So I started from the most eastern point. Um, there and then set course, set a northeast course up towards the island of Anholt first. Um, and then I continued further north just to um, our northeast to uh, the city of Varberg in Sweden. So, yeah. Which, so that's kind of like if you look at it in a st straight line, yeah, that's Varberg. In a straight line, that's, you know, uh, you need a wind from the southwest, you need swell from the southwest. That's your ideal condition um but the problem is you know like you said before forecasting low pressures like you're just essentially waiting for the storm mm -hmm. and we had we had like four weeks of being on standby with uh, you know my boat crew and my uh, media team and it was just a mess you know like looking at forecasts like all like it's kind of like chasing storms like you you'll see a storm materializing seven days out in the forecast then by the time you get to the four-day window, which was kind of our cutoff, uh, so many times it would just completely drop. Yeah. Um, so sure. actually, the, the one that we ended up activating, like the, the actual storm for the project, was, was a nice low pressure that came off England. And yeah. um, it gave us, you know, it came through with wind, uh, like the wind speed because I, I didn't really look at swell size i was more concerned about um the wind speed and how that correlated to way to small waves being created but um the wind speed i was looking for was somewhere between 10 meters a second and and 12 meters a second which is you know 20 just over 20 knots yeah um i was actually also experienced i was also experimenting with like foiling in you know 15 knots uh, 12 knots and uh, yeah. like I you can do it but you know when you get to that level it's just uh, brutal it's not really enjoyable especially especially without any any um ground swell I think you know yeah in Australia on the east coast we get you know if it's a south swell the swell's literally going along the coast so it'd be like it'd be like being you know here and, and you're foiling up the coast right. and there's all this sort of fetch um I think I think I said I said no fetch I said didn't didn't I send you an a, an Instagram message uh, asking like what's the lowest in the wind spectrum you have foiled? Yeah, and you said something ridiculous like how can how can I thought how can that work? But then yeah. you also said like it's not enjoyable. Yeah, I think I think you're asking like what's the lightest of of downwind foiled in, and um, it was a bad question to ask Bobby because I'm it, conditions make such a big difference. This is one of the things that everyone learning to foil should think about mm. is that you know twenty knots here in um, Sydney, Australia is like, that's heaps of wind because you have normally the, the wind and, and the fetch has come all the way along the coast and that wind's following you. So you have like this mid period 
swell as well as the wind. So sometimes in a southerly, it only gets to 10, like a southerly front will come through and the, you know, the peak of the wind will be like 20 knots, but it'll drop to 10 knots really quickly and I can get out. Mm. In, I'll use the same foil, like the p 185 in 10 knots, but there's all this residual bump that I'm actually tapping into. The, the wind swell, I'm not actually using a lot of. So right. basically what you're doing, Casper, like in this mission, it's kind of more like, it, it kind of be like foiling in like a harbour or, or, or a, or like a estuary, it, not, not taking away. Yeah, yeah. Just, just because there's no ground swell, it's all generated by shorter period wind swell, so to speak. Yeah. It's all, it, it all comes from scratch. Like yeah. it has to be built up from scratch essentially. So, and that was, you know, that was, um, how do I say it? Like that was, that was the problem as well. That was why I never, uh, that was why it got so um, demanding because oh, like yeah, sure. I was dealing with really small, short period stuff. Yeah. So I guess when you asked me that question, I wish I had clarified because if I, you know, I've boiled in 30 knots in like a bay, so to speak. And this is more, this is bigger than a bay. It's a hundred kilometers wide. It's, there will be some fetch. There's, there'll be some mm. pretty decent mid period stuff towards the end. If the wind was to continue to flow, um, but when I was, when I do like a, we've got a stretch of water called pit water and it's, um, or um, Hawks the Hawks River. And when I'm in that stretch of water, I could literally foil on the ocean side on my, you know, mm -hmm. P&L 185 or like the, the GL 180 kind of size wing. And then I'll go to the, up to the harbour side. And if I use the same foil in the exact same wind, I am pumping and paddling the entire time and what I normally do is I put a much bigger wing on that's slower and liftier and I'll glide and go almost, you know, two thirds the speed, two thirds of the speed. Yeah. But actually enjoy it because I'm not having to pump. Whereas on the same foil I'm using the ocean, I'm pumping and paddling and like, cause there's nothing else. I'm going faster than everything else around me. Whereas in just wind chop, I find using a bigger foil allows more fun yes you're going slower yeah because the wind chop you actually get energy from the wind chop it helps you whereas if you're going fast and everything it's a nightmare like you're no then you're fighting the chop then then you're not really even using it exactly yeah so like i would imagine from from your from the get-go i guess you would have a, a little bit of wind coming off the land but that yeah start would have been tricky i, I didn't see the very start of your mission well, well, the, well, let's let's take it from the start because basically where I started, um, it was uh, like the wind did not come in the direction it was forecast. Like the low pressure kind of came in at a different angle. So what should ideally have been a southwest wind came in as like a south, maybe south southwest. Mm, so it, 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 yeah, yeah. So it was basically just going to send me north. Um, so when I came paddling out of the harbor there, uh, you know, I was it's a long harbor I had had to paddle out of. So it was kind of like, I felt like a, a 747, you know, just taxiing away from the gate, going to the runway. Then once I got into, once I got clear of the harbor wall, um, everything was kind of already hitting me from the side. Like there was already swell because of, because of the, I mean, if you look yeah. on the map, there's plenty of open space south of, of the harbor. Yeah, It created plenty of swell, but everything was kind of sending me straight towards that headland um, just north of the harbor like yeah. I was not it didn't even look like I was going to clear that so all the people in my following boat like 
they were including myself on the foil we were thinking like shit this is going to end before it even starts like we're not even going to get away from land yeah but um but basically i got going and you know the bumps were solid enough that i could get the foil up but then it was just it became clear to me from that moment that this is not going to be an epic downwinder this is going to be somewhat like a sidewinder you know just bottom turning right uh the whole way which is your backhand which makes it even harder <laughs> yeah i mean like I, the, the joke was like oh i did like uh, 2000 bottom turns uh backside the whole way <laughs> right trying to get to sweden yeah but but the but the waves were actually okay like the wind was blowing i'd say somewhat uh it was like north of 20 knots mm-hmm. um and, and and the bumps were materializing really quick yeah and 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 i was able to to hold a course um which was you know probably around 30 degrees away from the wind like you know yeah. cutting cutting 30 degrees away which on a foil i had found out previously was possible but there's a difference between testing you know for 10 minutes if i can hold 30 degrees and doing it for 10 hours uh, yeah. that was that was the conclusion oh for sure so i might just sort of draw so basically the wind was coming this direction and you wanted it to be going this direction yeah basically yeah, so exactly as you can see like on a sap you'd almost abandon completely if that was the case because that's just blowing you up to this island here on a foil because of the flexibility we have you you can make it work but as you said it's not ideal <laughs> no no but but i mean it 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 made it that more challenging as well because it was it was not impossible and i mean at times like it actually was it was enjoyable as well because the bumps were really good and they had speed um and it kind of reminded me of like you ever remember doing the the gorge uh paddle challenge um yeah like the but it was the bumps were similar to that like really steep and you know um they were short lived but they were just man it was epic like there's you maybe saw that clip of um when i passed the wind farms um in the middle say, of the ocean yeah. yeah like that was fucking incredible just flying like full speed on the foil and just like zigzagging between these huge structures mm. um and and like at that point it actually that was only like 3 hours in and i was still fairly you know composed and strong yeah but i felt like a kid in a candy store and that was yeah. that was the high and, and that's for me. that's like the dream like like when i you know dreamed up my vision of foiling 100k's 120k's i'm like this is going to be epic like you know 15k's mm. isn't long enough let's go 100 let's see how far we can go and conditions going to be awesome and we're just going to be surfing the whole time right right yeah for the first 3 hours It's like, yeah, this is epic. This is unreal. Um and then as you progress and um have to overcome a few hurdles, it becomes a couple second thoughts sort of creep into your mind. You know, was this a good idea, James? Yeah. Yeah, was this a good idea, Casper? The wind stopped or there's seaweed or the foil I chose or whatever it is. It was um yeah, it it definitely crossed my mind a couple of times like, Casper, why the hell are you doing this? This uh <laughs> but but that it was definitely not the time to ask why uh, when you're in the middle of it you just got to do it yeah too far gone and you know the fact that you've started you keep going and and actually for those guys that are using you know the Nash foil gear and the frothers mm-hmm. that were you know that just want to know what you're using what 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 like first of all what length mask were you using 
what what size um, board and what size front and back wing? Yeah, so I um I did a lot of testing um prior to the trip and then I tested big wings, small wings, big masts, low masts. And like, I, I found out like my ideal mast was around 85 centimeters. Mm -hmm. um, that was just, you know, that to, to make sure that you don't bridge between chops. It's just so much more enjoyable with a bigger mast. Yeah. Um, I used um, board. I used, I think it was an 80, 85 liter uh, Nash hover which is one of the, the standard SUP, um, smaller SUP boards, but it's still, I mean, it's, for me, it was enough. Like I'm 73 kilos and like proportionally it allowed me to get up uh, fairly easy. What are the dimensions on that? Cause that's something that I found is, anyway, what, what were the dimensions? Yeah, it, I think it's five, I want to say five, three, mm -hmm. five, three or five, six. Um, and then it's it's fairly boxy in its in its outline. It's one of those you know kind of they, they've gone more round now, but it had a really square tail, um, huge. I forget the, actually the actual width on it, but I want to say it's somewhere around you know also twenty five or something, twenty six yeah. inches wide. So that um, to me, just listening to the dimensions, to me that'd be hard to get going. And just for those guys that don't know, Casper's a world champion sprint paddler basically like you're you've made a name for yourself in the sub world as a like basically a specialist yeah so like for someone who can paddle if anyone's going to be able to paddle up a five three or a small foil or whatever it is yeah it's going to be your man <laughs> well and, I, and i'm going to admit that yeah like i love the challenge of trying to make it fly i think that might have been how do i say it i was maybe slightly uh, over optimistic uh, about um the equipment i used to so maybe we should jump to the actual foil I used. I used um, the Nash fourteen hundred high aspect. Um, uh, that's jet, jet. That's pretty small. I want to. Yeah, I was waiting for you to say that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> was, I don't know the size of like, Nash, but I know that I've tried JB's gear a couple of times, and I don't know exactly how it correlates because GoFoil don't say sizes, so I don't know what is what, but. Yeah, I mean, the 1400 is, is kind of my, it's not even my go-to. My, my go-to is the 1240, um, which, I mean, I don't know what it relates to in other foils, but it's, they're good for waves. The 1240 is, is good for surfing and like high intensity downwinders. So I figured the 1400 was my go-to, you Just know. Just damn. Yeah, it, would, it, would, it, was, it was a little bit bigger and it would carry me. But, um, but I paired it with, a, I think, a three 320, uh, stabilizer and again like there's a that, that was my learning from this whole project there really is a big difference between trying to use a certain uh, set of equipment for an hour or two hours versus you know the the longevity of, of a 10-hour expedition mm. uh, because your your body is strong and explosive in the beginning yeah whereas when you get past that halfway mark or something you're going into zombie mode and you yeah. just don't have the same uh, uh, power to get going so in, in hindsight like once I was up and riding great but my biggest problem was exactly that getting up and riding once once I got tired yeah yeah so uh, 85 centimeter mass is exactly what I use I find it's that sweet spot I'm not sure if you've tried longer but longer for me gets a, yeah. a little bit heavier or there's something that doesn't quite fit 85 seems like it's just like spot on um 
1400 mm-hmm. I, I should have done my research um to see what size that is but i feel like that's a little bit smaller than what i would generally use um and for a longer journey like i've got a within the, within the go for range there's kind of a there's the pnl 185 which is like this really high aspect wing and it glides really well it turns mm-hmm. like an absolute pig it's it's just because it's so high aspect that you, you turn the wingtip comes out and you've almost got a brace for that um, and then if i really want to go for a really fast downwinder i'm using the nl 160 or the nl 190 depending on this sort of swell or winds strength and size um, but for sure like i, I find when i go smaller right. you know there's the there's the carrot you know you, you dangle the carrot if it's smaller you can go faster and then you can finish quicker and it's going to be awesome but yeah what i found personally was I was that, but, going, that was exactly i was better off going yeah, yeah. But no, that was exactly yeah. the go you, you go, go you go you go <laughs> the delay's always well, well, I, I was i was saying like that was exactly that was exactly the problem like i was facing as well because in one one sense you just want to like power away and like you know ride the you know the formula one car mm. um but then at the other hand like yeah, it's just, I don't know if it's something hardwired into us as humans, like we want to get out of those situations as quick as possible. Yeah. Um, but uh, it's interesting, like in, in hindsight, I'm, I don't know about your your crossing, but your expedition, like would you have cho- chosen any different equipment, like in hindsight? For, for, for my one, I would have only gone smaller. The conditions were actually, I got really lucky. The conditions were really good and the swells were massive. So I could have actually used a smaller foil and I probably could have finished a bit quicker. I, there was a middle part in my crossing or my journey along the coast that I couldn't go with the swells or I would basically breach. So I was okay. going with them and pulling off and then going with and pulling off and I'd only ever go with them for a couple, you know, one, two seconds. And I'm like, man, I'm going too fast. I'm going to explode. So I just cut out. And at that moment, I'm like, could have used a smaller foil, you know, that would have been pretty nice, could have been going quicker. But then for the overall journey, my goal was, you know, speed is one thing, but I always say to people, there's nothing slower than swimming. And and with a foil, there's nothing slower than not foiling. So if you're not foiling, it's like kind of game over. It's like, oh, all the swells are going past and it's just the worst. So I prefer to, you know, maybe lose half a K per hour or one K per hour on the entire average, but be up the whole time, then having a, a come down and stress, oh my God, mm. am I going to be able to paddle up again? You know, that's the worst feeling. Yeah, yeah, that, uh, I recognize that. But I mean, that, that was, for, 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 the, for the last part of my, uh, of my crossing, you know, it, it turned into exactly that. Like, I, I was literally not foiling because, I mean, I could, I was tired and my legs were shot from lactic acid, you know, just, because I had to keep pumping, um, mm-hmm. like listening, to, listening to you talk about like you, you were just had to pull out because it was too powerful. Yeah, I too, was at the opposite yeah. end of the spectrum. Yeah. Like, fuck, man, I wish there was more power. Yeah, yeah, and that's and that's I guess like I was actually overpowered, so I you chose too big a wing, and in in mm-hmm. hindsight, you know, I would have loved a slightly smaller one, but I was willing to take the risk of bigger foil just for the ease and just like I prefer, like as you yeah. said, you were having to pump the whole time. I prefer to just have to get out of there and glide for a little bit and then jump back on then having to to paddle and pump yeah. and paddle and pump and because as you said like, as you know now there's nothing worse yeah exactly exactly mm. 
but but then the last like for me at least the last I think 10 kilometers um that was when the wind died and like I could I could literally see Sweden in front of me um and and I just you know at that point was kind of over it and like just like I want to be done with this and yeah but 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 not you know that's just out of our control like then the wind disappeared and the waves declined and like I figured like okay I'm not gonna foil in maybe I should get on the following boat but then you know the athlete the athlete comes up in me like hey my shoulders and arms are actually okay so I ended up I ended up paddling on my stomach the last 10 kilometers just to which is just ridiculous on, on a five to wash wash up <laughs> I, I washed up like next to some nuclear power plant in sweden uh, that was <laughs> you know not anticipated but kind of funny <laughs> yeah for sure like um man what a journey and i guess the, the i guess the highs and lows you must have gone through from you know kid in the candy store through the windmills all this wind all this swell just it looks like you were just loving it surfing you know just doing all these turns and there's windmills and there's wind and there's bumps and you're like, yeah. And then fast forward probably, I don't know, probably another three hours and then you're paddling on your stomach <laughs> with on a five, three board with dragging a foil and, you know, a foil definitely helps create that lift, but the foil is also weight. And when the foil isn't yeah. acting as a foil, it's an anchor. It was, uh, it was the <laughs> longest 10 kilometers in my life. I'm pretty sure about that. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I mean, the, the best the best part of it was like I, get, I got to see my 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 uh, my crew on the following boat you know they were seasick and you know vomiting left and right and it was oh, you're in a better place <laughs> I was in a better place than them I was I, that was my evaluation yeah but but it was I mean there were so many ups and downs along the way and I mean we were sitting the night before the crossing and my my media team on the boat were asking me like, so where, where are you going to land in Sweden? Like we have to make sure we position the cameras right. And, you know, and, you know, it's kind of funny because like them not being used to dealing with, you know, ocean in the same way that I am, I just thought, well, we can't really, like we can make a guess, but we don't really know what's going to unfold. But that was kind of the the fun of it. Cause then when shit hits the fan and you power through it and you, wash up somewhere it, it feels you get that feeling of adventure and that was what i really loved about the trip even though even though i didn't exactly foil all the way it still felt meaningful yeah for sure and what an adventure um i i love hearing that and it's got me all inspired it's it's winter for us here now but the days are a little bit short but i'm i really want to to do something like you've done and go further again and wait for the right yeah. day and just send it, you know. Um, so Casper, well, um, amazing, really yeah. inspirational. Um, it blows my mind, the, the distances and, and the different conditions you went through, had, uh, you know, literally foiling from one country to another. Maybe, maybe I should try to go to New Zealand one day, <laughs> which is a little bit further, but um, I guess that's the equivalent well, you know, across the water. <laughs> it's a bit further. Well, well, New Zealand's your neighbor, so you should go say hi to your neighbor. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, you look at what Chris Burdish is doing, and you know, we're just playing in the kiddies' pool. But um, it's um, it's so cool. Everyone's doing their own little. It, the adventure is is really what it's all about. And I got super inspired watching you do it, and I'm sure everyone else did as well. <laughs> and so I'm I'm going to try to do something like you've done, which is um, 
that's what, that's what when I do stuff, it's what you're always trying to do, inspire others. And that's, you know, so thank you, mate. Yeah. Um, I want to... Um, well, thanks. Right, right. First of all, right back at you. Right, right back at you because that that thing you did down in in Sydney uh, was kind of also what opened my mind. It's like, oh, th this is possible. Like 100k plus. So, so right back at you. Yeah. Cheers, mate. We can keep bouncing off each other. We can see how far we can push it. And maybe maybe one day you can come uh, <laughs> to my conditions and see what light conditions I foil in compared to your light conditions. And maybe you'll understand. Yes, absolutely. It's a little bit easier in <laughs> my light conditions. Um, but yeah, let's, let's backtrack and go to, I guess, when did you first learn to foil and how was your transition to learning to downwind foil? Because for a lot of people, a lot of people listening to this, they're going through this mm -hmm. learn to foil, learn to downwind foil, um, I guess, learning, steep learning curve. And I'm sure you've got a few tricks of the trade yeah. to share with us and, and on that. I kind of want to also talk about your training that you did for your crossing as well to sort of strengthen up your legs and your cardio and for those things. So let, let's start with where, when you learned to foil and what it was like, because it's always fun hearing these. Yeah. Stories. I mean, so for, I mean, first things first, the, the, the very first time I tried foiling was, um, was actually in Maui. And I'm pretty sure you were involved in it as well that day with um, we went down to Sugar Cove with um, uh, Jeffrey and Finn Spencer. Um, I forget if Ke Kenny might have been there as well. But um, yeah, that was that was the very first time like we were in Hawaii for a, a stand up paddle competition. And I think we were just messing around one afternoon. And, you know, there was that was when foiling really still was underground. And like, you know, Kai had just you know released his video and and, um, and the Spencer brothers were all like, you know, jumping on it. So, so I remember I tried one of their stand up paddle, uh, foil boards and, you know, just was fucking scared and intimidated and felt like I had been riding a mechanical bull yeah. uh, that just wanted to kill me. Uh, and, you know, I think many people have that, that first uh, experience with foiling, but, um, that was the, that was the first time I tried it. And then I got a foil from Nash, uh, later that year and started playing with it at home in Denmark that this must have been like I want to say like 2016 or something 2017 yeah um and then you know I got into it and also know that our, our waves over here they're not a class uh most of the time they're pretty you know small mushy waves but but that was perfect for the foil and like I got all psyched on you know re-exploring re my local breaks uh with the foil and it was just epic but then you know foiling was more just of like this fun thing i did when the waves were small and i was not competing but then i think the first time i went on a downwind was 2018 um like a, two or two or three years ago and like i'd seen you know and that was kind of like the, the the dream that like you know especially kai had promoted that in that first video that went viral, like all of a sudden the whole ocean is a surf spot. Mm. And I don't really think I understood that until yeah, a few years later where I did my first downwinder across one of the local fjords um, back at home, like an inland estuary. Uh, and it was just, it was like, I went out cause we normally do stand up paddle downwinds across it. And, you know, I had seen people try it and like I had, you know, tried pumping with my, 
Because I think that's big of one of the, the mental blocks you run into is like you, you, you ride a foil in the waves in the surf break, and then you try to pump it a little bit. And, you know, you might have a little bit of success for, you know, at first, maybe like 20 seconds, 30 seconds, you can pump back out to the break. But from doing that to doing like a half hour or an hour downwind, mentally, it seems very distant. Mm. So I needed like, you know, I took a couple of years building up courage and then I went out on a day where some of my friends were doing a downwind as well. And I just remember it was blowing maybe 30 knots, 35 knots. Uh, the, the bumps were, you know, their shoulder high or something. And just, you know, it was massive. Good day. And I went out on my foil. I went out on my foil, uh, my sub foil. And, and, you know, I had a relatively the biggest wing I could find at the time. And uh, tried and like, you know, sprinted and got the foil up. And it was just, it was, it was nuts. It was just fucking unbelievable. Like you were, you were, I was, I was flying like, and I, I just, it was so hard for me to visualize prior to doing it. But then, I mean, I just literally felt like I was a bird flying across this big piece of water um, at speeds that I had never experienced before on a stand-up paddleboard. Awesome. Um, so it was kind of, it, it, it was a long build up to actually doing it. And even in my head, I was, uh, unsure whether I actually could do it. Um, but then once I broke the code, like, fuck, uh, full speed, can't yeah. stop. And so I guess from, from watching you from afar, um, you're on your SUP foil board most of the time, not a pro. Yeah. yeah. So I think that's a really good tip for the guy. Like a lot of guys who want to downwind foil aren't necessarily SUP guys, but they, uh, for, for me, the stand-up allows you to, with having a paddle, you can paddle up onto the foil so easily. And and from watching, I know how good a paddler you are. <laughs> You've kicked my ass plenty of times. The the speed you possess would make it quite easy for you to get up and get going, I would imagine, um, compared to someone yeah. who maybe just started stand-up paddling. So that's a seriously, like that's a success story. You know, you learned to foil you spent a bit of time, like probably two years foiling in the waves before you went and did your first downwinder. Mm -hmm. And that's definitely not a bad thing in that you built up your skill set. And then, you know, I'm sure you're paddling onto unbroken waves in the surf to get going. And then you went out, used your biggest foil, which, you know, great choice, especially for your first one. And that's a lot of people yeah. fail to this. Oh, you know, I saw James using, you know, an NL 160 one time. I'm going to use that. It's like, Nah, I've progressed down from like the Maliko 280. You know, I've gone all the way down. It's all yeah. the, whatever it is, um, using the biggest foil available. And, and were you linking up waves like two for ones, three for ones, or before you went, did your downwind? Up? Yeah. Well, yeah, I was probably at a point where I could link two or three waves together um, when, when surfing and, you know, pump back out. And I mean, I, like in, in retrospect, I think I could have gone into the downwind earlier. Um, but it was, it was very much mental because no one, no one in Denmark was doing it at that point. And I was only seeing like these exotic videos of, you know, Hawaii and, and, you know, you guys in Australia starting to do it. So, and I think it just was mental very much, but, but then again, like once I, I broke the code, I realized like, like, you know, it as well to, to downwind foil on a sub board, it is it's not the act of actually flying that's the problem it's 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 taking off like you know getting the foil airborne mm. and um like it 
like I've, I've helped quite a few people here at home now um, and there we have a great you know uh, group of of, of, um, of people that, that do foil downwinds now regularly but you know what what kind of is what i see is a is a common common denominator is that it's people that that are fairly uh, skilled stand-up paddlers are having the easiest time getting going downwinding on a foil because just you know just the explosiveness you got to possess um those to do those like 15 20 sprint strokes really fast to get going mm-hmm. um is alpha omega so that's what i've tried to help people with that wanted to do downwind foiling is like well let's work on your stand-up paddling uh, yeah. sprint skills yeah um, because that's really and i think many people are will be capable of doing it it's just you mm-hmm. got to you got to kind of maybe break it down and into compartments. Yeah. You got to put the time in and like a lot of it's like, it is for sure power, but I also feel like it's a lot of technique too. And that um, getting your speed before you try to get lift is one thing you really yes. got to think about because a lot of people, they try to get lift straight away and they're only going, you know, four or five kilometers per hour and the foil doesn't lift until it's, you know, eight or nine minimum. So yeah. what I've always recommended is, is work on your technique in, in the flat, like, you know, somewhere that's controlled so you can actually find out what's working and what isn't working and then go out like an onshore yeah. beach or, you know, an onshore bay and paddle into the wind, turn around and just work on your paddle up with a bit of wind at your back and a bit of, bit of bump at your back because that's going to control things a little bit better and yeah. not get stuck, you know, two kilometres into a 10-kilometre downwinder. Um, but... I guess what you did sounds perfect in that one, you knew you had the paddle power. Two, you knew you could link waves. Three, you done lots of sup foiling. Four, you used the biggest foil. Yes. Five, you, you had the 35 knot day of days down yeah. <laughs> and went with people. Yeah. I mean, that, that's, I think that's the way to start. It's kind of like when it's, I don't, I, I use the analogy of kite surfing or windsurfing as well. It, in some sense, it is actually, it, it's counterintuitive, but if you have stronger wind, a lot of times you will have more power and you, you know, it's, but it's that fear of like, when you're learning something new, like you don't want to be overpowered, but you still need a sufficient amount of energy to, uh, to make it happen. So like on a kite, like I would rather fly overpowered a lot of times because that's, it, it allows you to do more, but that, that's just personal experience. But, but, I, but I will say like, it's, it's amazing like with the new foils coming out, like, you know, the people are, you know, all the brands are building foils that are more efficient and still fast. But um, compared to what we learned on, you know, some years ago to do this, like, I, I feel there's been a lot of steps forwards, you know, yeah. to, to making flying more, more easy. Yeah, I definitely think so. I, I've, yes and no, I think like there's definitely, the, the foils are definitely getting faster. Um, I think, the true true yeah but the, the, the foils are also gliding better so once you're up it's going to be easier but in terms of paddling yeah. up or even you know i've progressed from the original maliko to the now the nl series and the pnl and i wouldn't say the new ones are easier to get going by any means I, i'd actually say the older ones were easier to get up onto the foil but the newer ones are faster and easier to link bumps yeah, that's a, that's actually a good point. Yeah, because because if if you take a novice on the highest aspect, you know, most racy foil, uh, that that's 
it's fun once you're up, but damn, it can be hard getting it there. Getting up. And then like the stall speeds are getting higher and higher because as you want to go faster, you are then, mm. you know, you, basically your bottom speed is getting quicker. So you have to be able to paddle up to that speed to get foiling. And, and like you said, once you're up and going, happy days, but it's yeah. getting going that can be really tricky. And, and I think, you know, well, what you did and what I recommend is biggest foil for your first downwind mm. run. The biggest one you can get your hands on. I don't care if people say, oh, you won't be able to keep up with the swells. You won't be able to keep up with this or that. It doesn't it matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. matter. Yeah. If you can paddle up onto the foil, you're going to have a, like consistently, then you're going to have way more fun than going yeah. on a foil that you may or may not be able to paddle up. You haven't really tested it. And maybe this day it's 35 yeah. months. This is the day I'm going to be able to paddle it up. But you're at risk of wasting the conditions and, you know, better yeah. off going. I compare it to the, the, the hare and the tortoise. You can be the hare and get up and shoot off and then you have to stop and rest and control all you can just be the tortoise that always can get up and going, little glide, maybe they're going to come down, but you can get up again. You're consistently moving down the coast or stop, start, <laughs> stop, start, stop, start. And it's no fun. Yeah. No, no. Did you ever do any uh, downwind races on the foil? Yeah, I've done a couple now. Um, ben Tardrew, um, we, we did the, uh, the, the doctor. And so that's from oh, Rock yeah. Island to Perth. But the problem in Western Australia is there's so much seaweed, like ribbon weed. It's like a, it's, it's thin, like, like, you know, like, like this cable, but it wraps around your foil. Yeah. It acts like a, it's like slowly pulling the handbrake on just like inch by inch. And it just means oh, as you're going, you're gonna, you're like, oh, it feels great when you first get up. And then all of a sudden a bit of weed's like, oh, what was that? You look down, you can't see anything. Oof, what was that again? You see a little bit of weed on it. So that, that race, Ben Tardry beat me and I was, it was the hare and the tortoise. I was on a faster foil, but I was catching more weed. Mm -hmm. So every time I would hit it, I'd stop and pull the weed off and then get it, get going again. Whereas he would just sort of, he was on a slightly bigger foil and he could foil with the weed on his, on his wing and his mast. So I was, I stopped four times and he just powered through the whole time. And we were about 30 seconds apart at the end, but um, mm -hmm. it was a, that was a cool race, but I haven't done many. I did one in Maui and that was fun. Um, but I was on too slow a gear. It was a bit of an arms race that one. And then yeah, just as it's starting to blow up, COVID hit. So it's, um, I'm really excited to get into some foil racing. Um, but for the time. Yeah, I, I have the same, I'm excited for it as well. Cause I mean, it's that, I mean, like the kind of like the turtle and the hare because I mean, I, I haven't done a single downwind foil race, but I could imagine it's that trade-off between you want to fly early enough, but you also want to uh, have a high top speed. And, uh, you know, it's just, yeah, I mean, there's so many, it, it, just for me, it's like sitting in a cockpit and you have all these instruments you can, uh, mm. you can uh, lever. But you can't, um, you can't choose what instrument, you've you got to choose at the start. And then when you're out there, you're stuck yeah, with it. You got to commit. Yeah. It's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so one thing I want to ask actually is when you, what I found in the waves compared to downwind is when you pull off a wave and you're pumping back for the next one, personally, I find that it's far less energy between waves. Whereas when I'm out downwinding and you're on one bump and you go across to the next bump, one, it's a shorter distance, but also I just feel like there's always been more push and, and do you know, yeah. Do you agree with that? Do you want to explain it a bit more? Or 
Well, um, based on my extensive research uh, across Kadgat, um, <laughs> I feel uh, no. I, I there definitely is. I mean, I think the way to look at it is the the energy, the the water molecules in motion, um, and the energy coursing through the water. Where if you go in the ocean, you know you're dealing with swell that is so um, how do I say groomed? You know, it's it's spread apart. The energy is spread apart in these waves, 10, 15 seconds between each other. And it's just the energy is so um, categorized, like it's it's so you know it's or organized. Mm. Where I feel like in when you're on a downwind or like on open ocean in a breeze or something, you know, then you're dealing with the the chaos of wind or like uh, wave energy inside the 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 fetch, so to say. Like that's what we call it in Denmark. Like even when we go surfing, you know, the waves are just like it's like a windswell just all over the place. Where when you're when you're doing a downwind, like even if you're you see the bigger bumps over there, it still means that like there's still smaller bumps sporadically spread out, uh, which I think it's it's kind of fun, you know, having surfed my whole life, it's still fun to now get on the foil and learn about wave energy uh, and how like I thought I knew everything, but I, I realize I don't. Mm. Um, but but it's it's kind of it's interesting like and also how the foil is able to harness this and i think that that was one of the hardest parts with this uh, project uh, the viking crossing because we got some great pictures and, and the media in denmark wanted to understand what the fuck was going on like how is how does this work yeah. and it's it's really really complicated to explain for to someone that doesn't you know understand hydrodynamics and stuff but uh i just said like oh it's it's like um, you know Aladdin's uh, flying uh, carpet. That's uh, the best way to describe it. Yeah, actually, I, I was just watching your Instagram story or video, and um, you were talking about you're in the middle of the channel. I think you're halfway, and it was getting lighter. And you were talking about how the getting going was like a, a seven four seven taking off. We need like a nice big run up and get the speed, and then once you get off, yeah. it's like good. And I think mean, that was I really like that analogy that like. The, the energy, you know, whether you're taking off in a plane, the energy to get going, like you're hooking on the runway. You're going super fast. And mm -hmm. only right at the end of the runway do you start to lift. That's a really good way of thinking about it is that, that you know, before you can get on Aladdin's carpet, you've got to do this, expend all this energy and get all this speed and, you know, yes. get the power, get the power. Then only then once you have this certain speed can you think about lifting off and then you're lifting off. And, and then it's that dream that everyone you know, fantasizes about it. it's this downwind foiling, you yeah. these little swells, um, smoothness amongst the chaos. You know, you're linking this bump here, that bump there, that bump there, and exactly. it's enjoying the dots. And like you said, it's all it's chaos. I really like how you explain that. It's chaos, and it's just it's all this wind swell mess. But with the foil, it's it's like a it's like you're mountain biking or you're snowboarding or you're just you know going through the moguls and you just every bit of every mogul you just get the speed down it and it's what it, I find it hard to explain to people, but um, that just surf foil, like, oh, I can't believe, you know, you foil for, you know, 120 kilometers. How could you do that? It's like, well, mm. it's, it's not like I'm just pumping around the whole time. A lot of the time I'm just gliding. The wind is at my back. The wind swell is with me. The, the swell is kind of with me. And you're basically just yeah. trying to link and glide and just place the foil in spots. You're not, unless you chose too small a foil or the wind dropped on you. You're not pumping the whole time. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But, but, but that's I mean, that's the beauty of it. I mean, that's when the magic kicks in. 
mm. when, when when you're when you're all of a sudden the energy that seems you know call it chaos like something that you deem is not usable or not you don't understand like all of a sudden it has a it has a relevance it has a purpose and then like yeah just i look at water in a completely different way now i think mm -hmm. after after really foiling for some years and and, and understanding uh, you know especially from a, even the ocean like if you look from oceanology or like meteorology like it's so fascinating to, to like now look at the ocean differently and then and be searching for for this chaos because that that i mean that kind of sums it up like navigating chaos that's kind of what downwind foiling is yeah it's it's really making the best of a what would otherwise be a pretty ordinary situation um i was doing some work for swellnet and you know it's, it's, it's a surf forecaster and they're you know always looking for offshore conditions and a nice long mm. period of swell um, they prefer east swells than south swells because it fills into the whole east coast and all this sort of stuff and i'm looking at it and a bit where you know you have to rate it you know out of 10 and i'm thinking yeah this is a you know a seven out of ten day for most people you know surfers but for me mm. you know this is like a five and then you know there's those windy the, the, the southerly fronts come through and it's just you know the southerly buses and it's cold it's windy and it's gross my colleagues say ah oh, it's a one and i'm looking at it and i'm like it's a 10 for me mate you know there's no one out yeah. howling you know everything's there's a, you know there's no one out what do you mean you know it's firing out there and it's um such a cool way to i guess to live you know like every day it's pumping and that's what foiling is to me you know it's always yeah. a day where it's going off and, and I, I actually on that like where you live it's not it has waves it's but they're not great waves i'm sure you would have had way more <laughs> fun days in the surf because of your foil yeah yeah no doubt i mean it's I said it's funny because we said the same thing ten years ago. Like, oh, now we have the paddleboard. Yes. Now can be on the water even more, making most of the conditions. But once again, like with the foil coming into the picture, you know, these average to average to shitty one to two foot days where you know it's onshore or like just gutless. Mm. Uh, that that amount of energy, it's kind of like the iceberg. You know, you see you see the tip of the iceberg, right? It's kind of like you see the tip of the, the small wave breaking, but there just is so much more underneath the surface that, that we're not seeing. And like in, in Denmark, at least, like I'm, I probably, I'm foiling half of the time now just uh, because it's the speed. I love the speed I get from foiling. Uh, you know, you're flying faster, like you're doing these, like in the waves, you're doing these huge arcs, like as if you were snowboarding, like, like I'm snowboarding in deep powder or something um so so it's just a completely different sensation and i think the personally the, the quality of of my time on the water has only gone up uh since uh, the foil coming into the picture it's yeah. um and, I, and the same like it's nuts like you look out in the bay behind me now there's so many people foiling and not just surf foils or sub foils but on all types of crafts and it's just it, it's funny it's funny how like now we're all about you know flying above the water yeah it, how things have changed like you said when sup came it was the same like oh now i can surf that that bank down the beach because it's it's not as good there's less people but yeah. i'll have more fun because i've got this big board and a paddle and i can catch it and i got all this speed on the wave now i go back to my stand-up after exactly. being on the foil and it's like 
what happened to all my speed? You know, I got to get back on the foil and I can go fast again. All this drag from the supper, or you know, it's um, it's yeah. so, it's um, it's sort of like it hasn't ruined my surfing, but it definitely um has changed my perspective a little bit. That's for sure. Mm, yeah. I can relate. I can yeah. relate. I want to quickly go back to what sort of training did you do before your big 120k? Like, there's a lot of people ask me is like, how do they train for for the cardio? Um, mm -hmm strain that foiling puts on them without just going for a surf foil you know if conditions aren't conducive do, were you doing any running um, were you doing any gym or cycling? yeah so 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 i, I approached it very much like uh, i would my regular um stand up paddle training um the kind of you know that involves a lot of you know uh, race board paddling it involves running uh, it involves a little bit of gym work but i'm, I'm not really a gym shark um i did a fair amount of you know, body exercises, you know, putting, doing some resistance training, like paddling in headwind or um, adding a bucket behind my board to induce drag. Um, huh. but, but I think like for foiling, the difference here was like, and then maybe I could gain a lot from my sprint uh, uh, knowledge of, you know, dealing with lactic acid of, um, you know, the explosiveness of foiling you know, you have to be able to get her off the runway, uh, which is, which was the main thing. So I did a lot. I like in the months leading up, I did a lot of low intensity work at first. And then as I had a base, then I would start adding, you know, these, uh, interval sessions, both on my stand up paddleboard, but actually for foiling, I did a lot of, um, you know, just pumping. Mm. Like I went out even on my surf or my sub foil and just like started linking, uh rides like i think i would go for like i'll do intervals of four minutes um like i'd set my watch catch a wave ride the wave pump back out and just keep doing those transitions for four, four minutes yeah like I, sometimes i didn't make four minutes because i was just dead but um but i think I, I was wearing a heart rate monitor and like you know from pumping you can just elevate your your heart rate and your whole system is just burning so in terms of like um, threshold training, that was really good. Um, and then like, I, I think it was, I just approached it like I was training for a long distance race, um, have adding some, you know, sprints uh, in between. So it was, uh, I think for me, it, it helped that I have 10, 10 or more years uh, experience as a stand up paddle racer that uh, yeah. made it a little bit easier, but, but then again, I mean, it was, it was, but that was the fun part. It was different, like trying to crack the code. What, what do I really need? And yeah, did you do any prone mm -hmm. paddling for the last ten days? Nah, I didn't anticipate that. Yeah. But uh, you know, prone pad. I mean, that was the, that was the beauty of it. Like, I didn't train for it, but that was the only part of my body that was still, you know, functional uh, yeah. for the last ten kilometers. Like my two arms, just okay, back to it. Yeah, no, I was just being a smartass. Um, but yeah, it was. Um, that's really good insight for anyone who's watching. Casper's, there's a reason he's a world champ. He knows how to train. So someone who's looking at getting into downwind foiling, that pumping practice, and I assume Casper, you were using a, a lot like your downwind wing when you're doing that? Yeah, yeah, I was on my downwind, the exact setup that I wanted to use. I was just, to also add the familiarization, to become familiar with um, with the setup was, was key. But I mean, I think for me, it's it comes down to methodical training of, you know, I mean, I, 
I like to think of myself as just, you know, acting on what I feel like doing and what the conditions dictate, but you can come pretty far with, you know, methodical training of, you know, building the right blocks and putting it together. Yeah. And I guess that talking about like building that base by you know, going your race, sat forward, um, you know, once you've got your base, putting in those sprint intervals yes. and yeah, that's, you know, everyone, it's, it's not rocket science. A lot of people are like, oh, what do you do to paddle so far? It's like, well, you just got to train, train low intensity to, to set yourself yeah. up. Once you've got that base, you can start doing a bit more speed stuff, then do a little bit of a mixture and then start the taper before you do it. And it's kind of like, it's not rocket science, but that methodical, I guess, I'm sure you would have written it down and just being, okay, today I'm doing this. You, you've got to sacrifice mm. some things that you would like to do if you want to achieve greatness or you want to achieve downwind falling or you want to achieve your goals so that's a really yeah. good way of i guess you didn't just oh look it's windy today i'm going to go kiting oh look the surf's pumping today i'm going to go surfing you're going to be like well if it's windy i'm going to try to make the use of the downwinder if it's flat yeah go for my race board if there's few little waves i'm going to take my race foil setup i thought my foil downwind setup and just pump around in the waves and that's yeah words of wisdom and that's familiarization with your equipment that you're going to be using for your downwinder and this is i guess what i'm trying to get a bunch of crew to, to, to do and everyone to do is, is more downwind foilers using a up ideally or if you're going to be using you know a prone board with paddles like dave kalama you know use mm. that in the surf and get oh, yeah, yeah. Thing going on that um so it's familiarization with your equipment and you know not using your four six prone board using the stuff you want no, to no, you use the right use the right equipment because uh, i think that 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 can cut off a big chunk of the learning curve you yeah know, having the right equipment not trying to ride the you know the fastest and the yeah you know mm -hmm. you, you get the point yeah no, really really cool um i want to finish up with two more questions one is wing foiling but before i do that i just touched on it dave kalama's prone paddleboarding i'm pretty pumped to try it out to be honest have you oh, yeah? have you um um i i haven't I have tried it but I, I saw dave paddling around with was it i mean it was like some paddles out on the hands or like yeah and you you better have some serious uh, upper body power um i mean that's a lot of area you put on your hands but it'd be fun to try mm. be good be good uh good experiment yeah uh, dave i spoke to dave last week and he was saying how for sure he can go quicker on a sup version use the same board he use the same foil but he's going to get up way easier using a paddle which to me and you is a no no brainer because and, mm. and for dave he's a sup paddler there's a lot of guys that want to learn to downwind foil that don't necessarily have the sup skills and yeah you know not, for me i'd recommend learning to sup it's not the hardest thing to do and probably just buying the bullet and using the bigger board and, and the paddle. Um, there's guys in Hawaii. Have you seen the Voyager foilers? I'm, I'm, I'm getting one of the guys on um, to chat about, but they're using like little boards like this. Oh yeah, yeah, I saw that, yeah. And little boards like this to get going and they're just paddling into waves. They're tiny, they're tiny. <laughs> yeah, and so David, I'm, I'm, I've tried to get Dave over to my spy and see you know what it is they're really doing are they surfing the outside swells because you know for example they're not going to prone foil from denmark to to sweden are they 
No, but that's not the point. That's like the that's just a nut nut case. <laughs> <laughs> Who would do that? <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, but I mean, I, I think. But I think it would. I mean, I I have this feeling when I go on a downwind on a foil, that man, I wish I could share this feeling. Like I could I could express to my girlfriend, to my brother, to the people around me that like, we you gotta get in on this. Yeah. But it's it's so hard to describe the feeling. It's just exhilarating, and it's mm. it's magical. But but it it's true. There is a really steep, a hard learning curve mm. to get into it. So I mean, yeah, maybe that's that's the maybe that's the question you have in your mind. Like, how can you uh, break that down? Yeah, make, help more make people. It, help more people to get into yeah. it. Yeah, it's um, and that's like a. I actually, I really want to try the the hand paddle thing that Dave's doing, just just to sort of see if it, because he says it's harder. So I, I believe him. I know I know it'll be harder. But if it's, he's a sat paddler. But if you can teach mm. your prone, you know, surfer to paddling on yeah. these boards, then maybe it's well, I mean, easier well, for them. Well, I mean, if you had a if you have a good surfer, prone paddler, like you know, then then comes the if you can get up to speed, and then you can get up on your feet quick enough. Like that's where you know a quick pop up would come in handy like if, if it is a good surfer maybe yeah well, uh, send me a send me a detailed uh debrief when you do it yeah it works we'll have to get you on i'll break it down break it down how, how it works and then the final thing i want to talk to you about is is wing foiling have you done much of it in the waves downwind freestyle what's your experience I've, i mean i've done quite a bit of it the last couple of years um you know riding the new nash Nash wings and it's it's more of been like a fun thing for me like you know playing around and we have a lot of really good point breaks around here or no they're not good point breaks but <laughs> with the foil and the wing they are suddenly good point breaks yes and, and like you can you know you can just kind of cruise up to the top of the point and then you're just playing like all the way down and then you're just zoom right back to the top i, I like it it's fun um i haven't really done any competitions with it yet just been playing around with with polar bear um yeah my friend here in town and yeah but I, but i would love to try to do some you know one of some of those slalom races mm, where uh, fun, some zigzag courses it, yeah. it looks fun and i think the wing is a good entry for so many people to foiling like mm -hmm. that's probably my conclusion as well is it is yeah, it's easy. It's super easy to get into, and it's yeah, fun. Uh, and probably the easiest wind sport to learn, from my experience anyway. And people say, "Oh, it's still hard." You're foiling. It's like, yeah, but you know, kiting and windsurfing are probably a bit harder to learn. Yeah, yeah, they. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's right. There's, um, it's all hard, but I think the wing is just, it's so intuitive. Like, there's not all these strings, and there's not no harness and. Mm. Yeah, okay. I, I think, well, after after the, the whole Swedish uh, expedition thing, I, I have not really been foiling too much recently. <laughs> I've actually, no, I, I've really enjoyed, you know, just the fact just holding a wing and like letting the wind carry me instead of, of working my ass off. So have you been <laughs> any wing downwinders or you just been in the one spot in the waves? Uh, I just stay in one spot in the waves. Like if, if, if I was to do a downwinder, I, I prefer doing it on my sup, um, sup foil just yeah that's that's where it's at but like especially in waves like like today i think we have what like i don't know 15 20 knots of wind um i think i'm going to bring the wing out and you know 
just cruise back and forth and you know, yeah it's it's the self whip you can just tow yourself in you're literally winging you get rid of the wave yeah. in the wave and you just foil all the way in and you just whoop, back out let go yeah that's the way to that's the way to look at it the self whip <laughs> yeah i love it <laughs> so much fun yeah, yeah. I, I have to i'm gonna challenge you actually have you seen my um wing upwind pack down the wing grab my paddle out of my backpack put the wing into the backpack and then sat down yeah yeah i saw i saw that you, you did it was that down in where was that you, in the in the lake you did it it was just just here and just out the front i just in sydney so literally i just you know park at one spot uh couldn't organize a shuttle so i just winged you know 5ks up wind. <laughs> um and then once you get 5ks up wind, i just turn around and, and i just deflate the wing i wrap it up and i put it in my bag and I grab my paddle out so if i come down i can paddle up and get going again so i think that's something that could work really yeah. well in cold hawaii it, it would, and it, it solves the problem of, um, you know, when no one, when you can't find a driver for the downwind, exactly. <laughs> but, 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 but it's, it's a fun adventure. Like it, it's kind of, um, yeah, you know, those types of things that, how do I say it? Like you, um, you just do something because it, the, the, the challenge part of it and the journey of it is just fun. Yeah. Yeah. It's problem solving at its finest, I reckon. <laughs> top level yeah. top level um okay we're going to finish with three tips three tips for those guys learning to downwind foil they're doing their first run and mm -hmm. what are you going to tell them what's what's the first tip um well uh practice uh sprinting on a sup in calm water like improve your technique as much as you can there uh two would be pick equipment that is suited for easy flying, like don't don't pick the Formula One car, pick the nice steady VW diesel engine, <laughs> you know so, something that that flies easy. Yeah. And then number three, I guess, would be like I did, pick uh, some solid conditions. You know something that where you're not fighting the bottom of the spectrum, but instead there's plenty of push behind you. You, you yeah. want solid wind and bumps for the beginning. Yeah, there, there's some great tips, you know, practice your technique, use some, use the right equipment and wait for a windy day. Awesome. Love it, Casper. Um, we're going to wrap it I just, up. So I, just copied, I just copied what you said earlier. So it's pretty simple for me. <laughs> yeah, but you said it, not me. So that's great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I want to thank you for coming on Casper and it's been actually really fun catching up with you. So um, yeah, thanks for coming on and um I'm looking forward to, to following your next uh, Viking Crossing 4.0. I'm sure you're already planning it. Yeah, there's, a, there's something in the works. Um, I think I need a little uh, mental detox um, before I'm ready for it, but uh, the adventure awaits. So and, thanks, and for, thanks for having me on here. Oh, thanks for coming, Casper. Um, actually, we didn't even get to it, but I wanted to quickly chat to you about the... the viking midsummer challenge maybe just just quickly do you want to give us a little debrief of how that went uh yeah i mean the, the red bull midsummer vikings was um an idea and it's an it's a stand-up paddle a team relay race uh in copenhagen uh i started it two years ago with uh, some of my friends and um you know it's 24 hours of paddling on teams it's just about fun paddling in the dark celebrating midsummer and um 
have some music and food along the way. It's more of a festival than an actual race. And this year we paddled 10,000 kilometers. Wow. There's um, three, 350 paddlers on 70 different teams. And we raised, I think it was $15,000 for charity as well. So it was, it's one of those events that, uh, you know, I've had enough serious races in my life. And now I, I just love these events that, you know, celebrate adventure and, and teamwork and, and challenge. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, get over to Copenhagen next summer. <laughs> I hope I can. Actually, I'd, I'd love to come over and bring a, bring a team from over here. That'd be an awesome experience. And I just, fingers crossed, summer turns up. For the challenge. Yeah, yeah. Well, you never know in Denmark, but we will we will roll out the red carpet and uh, yeah, make you feel welcome. <laughs> awesome. Again, thanks so much for joining us, Casper, and um, looking forward to catch up again soon. Right on. Thanks for the talk.